Turn in your Bibles to Colossians. We're going to be in chapter 3 today. I'm also going to be reading a little bit out of Romans. I'll be, we'll be reading some out of Galatians, Ephesians, 2 Corinthians. So, you know, you've got five fingers, so you just, on one hand, you can hold your Bible and then put your fingers in all those places. If you want to turn there, you don't have to turn there. Totally up to you. And uh, Colossians chapter 3, I'm going to read, I'm going to try to read, and then go back through it. I read the first few verses, and they're on the front of your bulletin, uh, last, at the end, end of last week's sermon. I'm going to reread. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is, is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members, which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth, lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. It's very difficult for me to do, to read straight through what the Scripture is today without stopping and talking about it. It was tough, but I did it. Now we can go back through it. Now what I want you to see is the choice of words. The Holy Spirit is guiding Paul to write this letter to the church at Colossae. The words, every single word has purpose. There are different words that could be used and if you have a newer version of the Bible, if you have, you know, like there's, there's probably some NIVs sitting in the pews, 
and even a new King James, you're going to see some different words. <clears throat> Sometimes it helps us to understand a little better when there's an archaic word there, and you may not understand what concupiscence is, and you might look at a newer version, and it might help you out with that. So there are some places, several places, where in an attempt to make things easier to understand, it destroys the accuracy of it. I hope you remember the last several weeks leading up to what I'm going to preach about today, because all the things that we've talked about in Corinthians 1 and 2, especially the last several weeks that we were really into chapter 2, talking about being complete in Jesus, being complete in Him, the circumcision made without hands, the being buried with Him in baptism, so being baptized with the Holy Ghost, all those things, being seated with Him in heavenly places, all of those things that we can't physically do, we have to believe that they've been done. Being uh, buried with him in baptism, being buried into Jesus' death and being raised to walk in newness of life. All of those things are really important to understand. And if you got those things, if they got into your mind and into your heart, and you believe those things, then you are uh, the first verse. If ye then be risen with Christ, it, it could say, since you've been risen with Christ. Not, we, we today, when we say if, that seems to be yes or no, if. It's, it's a doubting type of thing. Uh, it's a question. But no, this is really saying, since you are risen with Christ, seek those things, and you can seek those things that are above, those heavenly things, because... Your experience is now Jesus' experience. What happened to Jesus happened to you, and what Jesus is doing now, you are doing now. That's, that's what's supposed to be what your experience is. Now, we may not always feel that way, but we have to start to realize that there is a real world that we live in, but then there's a more real we see the real, but we have to understand there's a more real. And we, we have examples in our life. We heard it today. We heard somebody testify today that in the real world, they wanted to go hunting, but the more real got a hold of him and brought him to church. That's believing. If, so you're on your way to glory in heaven if you believe those things, but in in, uh, while you're waiting to go to glory, there's this uh, time that you're going to be here on this earth, some longer than others, and we're living this Christian life. Now, how do you have victory in this Christian life? How do you actually think on things and seek things that are from above and not things that are here on this earth and how is it, uh, in verse 3 it says, For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. 
and then look at verse 5. This is, the, this is the part where we get into living this Christian life, and the first thing it says is, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Now, if you have a newer version, mortify will be taken away, and the new words that will be put in, in place, you got one word, and then that will be taken away, and three words will be put there, and it'll say, uh, put to death, therefore, your members. Well, in verse 3, I just read, for ye are dead. Now, how do you kill something that's already dead? You can't do it, can you? Mortify is a much better word. Now, if you was to kill something, you would mortify it. But if you are, have you ever heard anybody say, I, that scared me so bad, I was mortified. Basically, you were scared to the point where you couldn't function. Well, so that's a better word. I've often, you've heard me say it before, uh, what does a mortician do? Do you take people to a mortician so they can put them to death? They just handle things that are already dead, right? Mortify is the better word. We are to recognize that our sinful way about us, the, all humans have a problem with the flesh. We all have a problem living in this world, and we have a problem uh, that Satan is trying to influence us to do bad things in this world using our bodies, our flesh, right? And when those things come up, when those temptations come up and those opportunities to do things that are not godly, then uh, we're tempted and we're about ready to do the worldly thing, but yet we say, no, the old man is crucified. The old man is crucified because you're believing the more real. Now, the, on the real, the real level you feel like it's still alive. But I need to believe what the Bible says, and the Bible says that I should mortify therefore the members which are upon the earth, and those members are any part, it's, it's, your, it's your hands, it's your feet, your tongue, you can, you can say bad things, uh, your brain, your ears, what you allow to come into your, to, to your uh, mind through your ears and through your eyes. There are members, all, all parts of your body that could offend and be sinful. And you know all those parts of the body. I'm not, I don't have to tell you all the parts of the body. I'm just giving you some examples. But you can think about all these other things because you've got fornication is the first one. Fornication. What is that? If you, uh, if you look at pornography, and all kinds of people today have got pornography at their fingertips with a phone, that's fornication. Anytime you do any kind of sexual things outside, if you're a single person, some, some people will say a single person doing sexual sins would be fornication, and then a married person, that would be adultery, but fornication is also adultery. Uh, it's kind of it's a little bit of different meaning there. Then you have uncleanness. 
that's anything that's impure as far as holy things, godly things. Uh, inordinate affection. Inordinate means irregular or disorderly, excessive, beyond rules prescribed, or to usual bounds. You know, we have in, in our uh, bylaws for this church, we have a section on marriage. And we have a section on human sexuality. And there is godly bounds on that. Uh, we also have in there that there is uh, male and female. And that's it. Male and female. And when you start getting into inordinate affection, that covers a whole lot of things outside of those godly bounds. Inordinate affection. Evil concupiscence, that's also uh, having an uh, excessive desire for lust type things. Covetousness, which is idolatry. Covetousness is greed because you want what's not yours. People tend to want what they can't have. The grass seems to be greener on the other side. But if you go investigate, it's probably because it's over the septic field. The grass always looks greener on the other side. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. So when, if, you were, if you don't believe what your position is as far as being d buried with Jesus, dying the death that he died, and being raised up to walk in newness of life, if you don't believe that, then you would be stuck in the body that you were born with, and you're going to, you're going to act out in, in these things. A born-again person should not ever do any of these things. Should not. And you really don't have an excuse to do them. These are very bad sins. Notice how they're grouped together right there. And if you're disobedient, then you're going to suffer the consequences of it. It says it right there in verse 6. And it says, seven, in 7 it says, In the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. See, there was a time, it, this is all based on verse 1. Since ye be risen with Christ. That might not be you. You might just be here, sitting here listening to this, and that is not your experience. You might be an unsaved person, just trying to try this church thing out to see if it'll help you in all these things that you got going on in your life. Uh, I, I experienced that a lot when I did Bible study at the jail all those years. Those guys, many of them, came there just because it was something else they could try to try to fix themselves. And until they understood true salvation and believed with all their heart, then this wasn't going to be a reality to them. They were, they were going to go right back to doing all these things, all these sinful things. All right, so 7 says, you used to do these things when you were unsaved. But now that you are saved, you don't do these things. And if you do, then you need to wake up and realize that true born-again Christians don't do these things. Uh, 8, 
but now ye also put off all these. So you see the difference here? You know, I, I, I have gotten some really crazy looks and people who want to argue with me when I say that there are different levels of sin. And people go, oh, no. Now, I'm not saying that if you don't sin as bad as somebody else, then you gotta, you, you're on your way to heaven better than they are. Like, you've got a head start. I'm not saying that at all. I don't care what kind of sin you do, and all of us do sin, uh, whether it's minor or major, you've fallen short and you're hell-bound. Just calling somebody a fool, you sin, you're disqualified, you're going to hell. Okay? I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is what the Bible shows, that there are these sins that you do when you're unsaved, but you would never consider doing them when you're saved. But then there's a list of sins down here. Uh, it, after, after you become saved, you need to be reminded that you, you shouldn't do these things either. And it's uh, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, Filthy communication out of your mouth. And then it says, lie not one to another. So you could possibly, as a Christian, you might lie. Even to, even to your brothers and sisters in Christ. You may lie, but it's saying here that, that you should not. You need to put these things off. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man and or, or with his deeds. Notice it says, put off. That's, that is a critical word, put. Go back to verse 5, mortify. Now, if you change mortify to put to death, you've, you've changed just handling yourself that is crucified, is crucified, to trying to make it happen. That's a work. To put some, to put your flesh to death is a work that you can see it's a job that needs to be done, right? On the real level, you can see that that work needs to be done. Are you going to fall for the trick of trying to accomplish it? When the Bible says it's already been done. And instead of fighting against all these sinful things, that your body wants to do, just try to think, I don't have to do this. It's already been done. I am complete in Jesus. And it's become so much easier. When you put on, when you put off a shirt, let's say you got a dirty shirt, and you, you just take it off. That's what it's telling you to do. Take You've put off the old man. You just laid him aside. You didn't kill him because Jesus did that. You are crucified with Christ. That's been done. And now you put on the new man. There's no work here. It's as easy as taking off the dirty shirt and laying it down and grabbing the clean shirt and putting it on. Isn't that simple? The wording is critical. Get away from a works salvation. And I'm not talking about just a work salvation in being pardoned from your sins, but a work salvation in being able to live a sin-free life. 
you have to carry it into that as well. You know, you'll hear pe uh, preacher, they'll preach a great message. It'll make a lot of sense to the human mind that uh, it's it, salvation for the penalty of your sin. That's what Jesus did. But now you've got to work, work, work to live a sin-free life. And it'll register with you. You'll say, oh, yes, I do. I've got to work hard. But I'm telling you that if you fall for that, you will spend the rest of your life trying to deal with the flesh. And you will never do anything beyond dealing with you. We need to get out into the community. We need to get out into our world and minister, not spend all of our time trying to kill the flesh that's already been put to death. You're going to see words like yield. Just yield to it. Yielding is easy. It's easier than stopping. People yield at stop signs. I see it all the time. I see people, because it's easier to yield at a stop sign than to come to a full stop. Just don't get caught doing it. But it's easier to yield. All right, we got, uh, we got some other, other places in the Bible I want to read to back up what I'm saying. And in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I read this recently. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Not your faith, but the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. In Galatians 5.24, it says, And they that are Christ have crucified, not, not in the process, but have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. It's a done deal. All right, I'm going to go here. I'm going to turn to Romans 6. And I know I've read it many times, but I don't feel like I need to apologize. It's awesome. Romans chapter 6. At least write it down. If you don't turn there, write it down. Romans chapter 6, starting with verse 1, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. You don't have to do it. When, whenever you have opportunity to sin, you're being tempted to sin, then all you got to say is, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Hallelujah, I don't have to do it. When you're, when you're ready to act out in anger or malice or you're, you're, you're thinking about, you're, you're getting ready to fornicate. I mean, you just have to say, 
for he that is dead is freed from sin. I don't have to do it. You don't have to because you're freed from it because you're dead. And what purpose would a dead person want to do any of those things? You're not going to get any satisfaction out of it because dead people can't do anything. Now, if we be dead with Christ, this is verse 8 of Romans 6, now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over Him, for in that He died, He died unto sin once, but in that He liveth, He liveth unto God. Listen, verse 11, likewise reckon... Reckon is an accounting term. It's keeping the books. Uh, a deposit's been made into your account. Now you can reckon that in, in the ledger if you trust the person who said it's been done. Right? You're, you write a check out. Are you confident when you hand it over to somebody? If the person who said they put the money in the account is not very trustworthy, then you might be a little iffy about writing a check. But when God Almighty has told you this has happened, you can believe it, and you can reckon it. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. You should have all confidence in reckoning that this is true. Put it into your account. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield, see it? Neither yield ye your members, we talked about the members, all those parts of your body that can sin, as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. Work yourself really hard for the things of God? Should you work really hard for it? No, it says yield yourselves unto God. Just like you put on the new man, then yield yourself unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of, of righteousness unto God. Isn't that awesome? In 2 Timothy, you don't have to turn there, I'm just going to read one verse. And out of 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 says, It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with Him, we shall also live with Him. It's over in Timothy. Alright, now I want to read out of Ephesians. Here it is. thought I had it marked. I got all these different markers. Ephesians 4. Now, a few weeks ago, I read Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. Now I'm going to read 17, 17 through 24. Ephesians 4, 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Now, you go back over to Colossians, and if you... That's what happens when you used to live in these things, all these bad things that were listed, that's 
this is what it's talking about right here over in Ephesians. Because of disobedience and not seeing uh, the, the gospel story and through ignorance and blindness of their heart. 19, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Listen carefully. That ye put off concerning former conversation the old man. See it? Put off the former, and that word conversation in the Bible, that is your actions. That's not just what you say, it's how you, how you carry yourself in day-to-day life. Which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now, let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting with verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then were all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. How are you being reconciled to God? Through Jesus Christ. There's no other way. And hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing, another accounting term, reckoning and imputing, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Reconciliation, reconcile, another accounting term. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You can actually say, because of this verse, you can actually walk around and walk up to people and say, I am the righteousness of God. Try it sometime. You'll get some really crazy looks. Just walk up to people and say, I am the righteousness of God. And have this verse handy before they hit you. How dare you say that you're the righteousness of God? It's right here. He took on all my sin. Uh, God 
uh, hath made him to be sin for me. You know, I know Jesus knew no sin. He didn't sin, but he took on my sin that we, I, might be made the righteousness of God. And I believe it. It's right there in the Bible. So I read, I read uh, the ones out of Galatians. You need to understand that if you turn it into a work of trying to make your flesh be in line with what God wants, it's a, it's a work and a battle you'll never accomplish. If you were to walk up to God, if you were able to walk up to God and say, God, I'm struggling with this flesh, can you fix it? He'd be like, no. I'm not in the business of fixing flesh, but we can crucify it. Well, that sounds scary and painful. Yes, it is. But that's all I do with flesh. Is I, and you don't know if you should do it or not. And you're trembling. Well, if God, God, if that's the only way, I guess go ahead. And he'll point to Jesus. And he'll say, he did it for you. And all you have to do is believe then you will be baptized into his death. He did all the crucifying that needs to be done. He's the only perfect lamb. He died for your sins. And that crucifixion has been done if you believe it. If you don't believe on that, then we gotta, you got to do it. And you're not a perfect, unblemished lamb. So it's going to be all for nothing. I suggest turn it to Jesus. So don't get caught up in trying to improve your flesh and trying to make it something better. That's something the devil will try to trick you into doing. Don't ever go there. The only victory you're going to have is in believing the more real and believing all the things that I just read to you out of, out of Colossians and all these other wonderful places in the Bible. Notice that uh, back over in Colossians, verse 10, and, and, and have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian. That's the people from way up in the sticks. I mean, they're just barbarians. And then the Scythians, which are even out past them. I mean, this is, this is for, it doesn't matter whether you're, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile. It doesn't matter if you're, a, a, you're bond or free. It, it just doesn't matter. It's for everybody. Christ is all and in all. Twelve, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy. So, when, so you, by putting on the new man being in Christ Jesus, then these things become what you are. So, what you can get out of all of this is, instead of trying so hard to get the bad things out, there's plenty of bad things that we want to get out of our lives. We might make a list of things we want to get out. Well, how about, instead of concentrating on so much about the things you want to get out, think about the things that need to come in. And don't get it out of order. You will not be successful in cleaning up your life and being holy 
if all you're doing is trying to get rid of things, get out the bad, get out the bad, and you've totally forgot to do what you need to do before you do any of that, is what is going to come into you. You need to get down on your knees and pray to God, God, I need Jesus to be in me. Father God, I need the Holy Spirit inside of me. And then all those other things will be easy. All the things you want to get out will be easy when you pray and ask God to bring in what needs to come in. You know, I was talking last week about how we can get caught up into spiritism. We have certain denominations that are very spirit-filled. They brag about being spirit-filled, and I gave you that example of the woman who came down and God did a miraculous spiritual thing for her. And I said, don't get caught up into those things. Don't require a sign. It's an evil generation that requires a sign. We believe on Jesus and we go to Him without any kind of miracle. If you'll just go to Him for what He's done for you, then you'll get your miracle. But this Christian salvation and this way of life, it is supernatural. It is definitely supernatural. All those five things that I listed a few weeks ago, those things that you cannot make happen, you have to believe that they supernaturally happen. Critical that you get that. I'm going to read, I'm going to read a little something to you out of John Phillips' commentary. It says, Christianity is supernatural and makes no bones about it. It is concerned with a supernatural person, Jesus, who is the Son of the living God. He entered into time by means of a supernatural birth. He lived a supernatural life, bending the forces of the natural world to His will. He died amid a display of supernatural events. He rose supernaturally from the dead and ascended supernaturally into heaven. He was followed on earth by another supernatural person, the Holy Spirit. He supernaturally brought the church into being, endowed its, its uh, apostles with supernatural powers and supernaturally seated it in the heavenlies. To become Christians, we need a supernatural new birth. We become members of the church by means of a supernatural baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Christian life itself is a supernatural life made possible by only the supernatural indwelling of the believer by the Holy Spirit. As for the church itself, its great hope is a future supernatural event, the rapture, which will remove it from earth to heaven. Everything about Christianity is supernatural. The book on which all is based is a supernatural book. God breathed, authoritative, and inerrant. So why does Paul attack, or why was my warning about getting into this supernatural 
So why does Paul, when, you know, when he was talking about the Gnostics and the, those things, you don't be beguiled, don't be bewitched, all those things, because he knew the simple reason that there is another supernatural dimension in the universe. It is headed by Satan. A supernatural being aided by vast hordes of evil spirits motivated by a hatred of Christ and his people and determined to deceive by all means, if possible, God's very elect. It is possible for us to make one of two mistakes. We can, he says, we can poo-poo the whole supernatural side of Christianity, which uh, the so-called liberals do, or we can promiscuously embrace the supernatural naively, believing that if it is supernatural, it has to be of God. Not all supernatural things are of God. And he says, as the charismatics do. I'm glad he said it, not me. So, everything about Christianity is supernatural. But there's an enemy that will trick you with his own supernatural. And we have to be aware of that. And Colossians has done an amazing job of warning us, and I hope that you will not get caught up in those things that will get you off course. We need to live a good Christian life. We need to be holy because he is holy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for this wonderful little book of Colossians. And Father, I pray that each and every one of us will be just better. Father, that we will understand that you've done it all. Father, that we are complete, we are perfect in Jesus Christ. And Father, if there's anybody here today that needs to call upon you, I pray that they do so. Father, there's too many of us that we may have a, a belief that Jesus died for us, but Father, we also need a belief that walking by the Spirit, we can live a life without sin. Father, we can be an example to a world who thinks that it can't be done. Father, we need to be your salt and light, we need to be different than this world so people will notice and be drawn to you. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.